I think that was like a big strength of mine was like like I was able to like monkey see monkey do you know um that was probably honestly from karate from having to practice the katas and the forms you know like you you build a certain body awareness I think dancers do this too and dancers could probably honestly like because they dancers tend to do well in combat sports you have like Momochenko Adesanya striking striking disciplines they tend to do well and I think it's because they're so detailed and precise with what their body is doing. It builds like an awareness. Mm-hmm. And then, so when they see something, they know how to like emulate that same motion, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I was like learning these things at a young age, when I got older, even now I'm able to like see and like recognize and I'll try to emulate like even like, like TJ Dillashaw, when he pulled out the the switch dances or even Dominic Cruz, they were like the first guys to like really really switch dance in mma so i would watch it learn it try to emulate it or even like the the um what was it like like anderson's like the spider kick you know we yeah. all were doing that the next day everybody was doing mm-hmm. that the next day or like pettis's showtime kick off the cage we all did that the next day you know what i mean like welcome to the hnl movement podcast where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities sports and life Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the H&L Movement Podcast, and we have a very fun guest today. I haven't talked to him for a long time and it's because he's up in California, but it was always great times working with him. And I'd like to welcome Louis Smolka to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. What's up, Andrew? How's it been, man? Good. We got to do some catching up. Yeah. So you've been doing yeah. training, you know, we've been through a lot when you were back at home and then you've yeah. been training up in California for, I think it's almost four like, years now. Is it yeah. over three years? Yeah. Three years, a little over three years. Little over three years, time just flies by. But yeah, let's start about your story, your journey growing up in Hawaii. What was it like in your childhood? What kind of sports were you around? And what was it like living in Hawaii? So growing up, like I kind of liked sports and stuff, but like I wasn't really good at anything besides like like martial arts. Like the, that was the only thing that really held my attention. Like 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 all the ball and stick sports like i mean they're fun and stuff but like i wasn't really good at them like they didn't like capture my imagination the way that fighting did like i was the kid like on the basketball court that's like staring off like digging my nose or whatever like i couldn't like i just it, it didn't it didn't grab me the same way but like during karate class and stuff i'd be like you know the first kid there bow help set up like you know like like you know like what like i really really enjoyed it you know um and as I got older, um, I didn't really have an avenue to transition into professional sports until I became around like 12 or 13 and the ultimate fighter became a thing. Mm-hmm. And then that was when I was like, oh, wow, I can make a living doing martial arts. Like I'm kind of, I'm in on this, you know, like this is what I want to do now. Mm-hmm. And like from that point on, I was just like hooked. I would watch, I would research as much as I could, whether it was like UFC, Pride, you know, like we had, we, I was lucky too, in a sense, cause you know, Hawaii has such like a rich, like MMA history, like with like icon, super brawl, rumble on the rock. So like, I was kind of like lucky in those sense to kind of have it like within our culture already, you know, like I didn't have to like journey halfway across the world to go find somebody that did MMA, you know, it was like, it was pretty like in the backyard. Yeah. So like that was, that was fortunate, but, um, like I was, I was just hooked from like, as soon as like I saw my first UFC, like as soon as I first started watching the ultimate fighter, I was hooked. And so they, like, I was watching one of the fights, I think it was like Nick Diaz and Carl Parisian. And they were talking about how, like, how judo is very applicable in MMA. And so like, you're watching like Carl Parisian, like throw like Nick Diaz around, but then Nick Diaz counters with like the Kimura rolls and like, I was like, oh, okay. So I went to judo class and I started trying to do judo. And then, um, like, so I competed in Hawaii for like a little bit. Like I did like the the high school stuff and like, you know, they're like, okay, when I watched it, it was during judo season. So that's why I went and did judo wrestling was like over. So I couldn't really do wrestling. Mm -hmm. So I went and did judo. And then like the next year I went and did wrestling and I was like, I, I gave my all to it while I could. And like, 
within those times i was also like you know like going around to like various like backyards somebody's uncle you know shows us how to like throw an overhand right somebody else shows us like a leg kick you know like and just trying to like learn everything that i could from whoever i could you know that's really interesting and it's good that you had that interest at a young age so backing up a little bit when did you start karate or karate i was seven i I actually had my first class when i was five but Mm -hmm. the one that i stuck with i was seven yeah they like it was kempo karate kempo karate it was um (laughs) universal kempo karate you see like the stickers everywhere and stuff the Uh red ones but yeah that was the first one that like i I really did um they showed us like arm bars and rear nakeds and stuff like in that class so i was grappling from when i was like seven like they would have us grapple on the mats we had like they showed us like a few takedowns and like 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 they showed us the positions like mount guard half guard side control so like i had like a fairly decent understanding of grappling for a kid my age so that's interesting that you know you started to pick up these skills even at a young age right in the class and everything so now as you start to get more into it that's when you started to get interested into different types of martial arts so judo wrestling was it something that was hard for you to kind of pick up the different disciplines or was it something that it came more naturally at first, I had no idea what I was doing, but after a couple weeks, like, like I learned quicker than like the other kids, but I, re- I started from like zero, but like I learned fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was pretty uncoordinated at first, but I just kept trying every day. You know, I'd go to practice. I would think about it on the way home. Why did this work? Why did this not work? Like, like mechanically speaking, my foot was crossed behind me. So I fell over. My balance wasn't as good, you know, like just things like that. I was pretty blessed to had like good coaches the whole time. They really explained like the formulas and the ideas behind what was happening. So it kind of helped us understand it from like a broad concept as opposed to like individual situations. Um, that was pretty lucky for me. I think um, the way that they, like the way that I was taught and then um, like, yeah, like it was just, it, it, it was slow at first. And then I learned like, fairly quickly for like my my I guess my age group or my experience group but against like the older kids or the kids who've been doing it for a while they would still like they would beat me up but as I did more martial arts I learned quicker if that may like you still start from zero but like I, I would grasp the concepts quicker and quicker the more that I did the more years and experience of seeing certain things probably and you know actually moving your body in different ways and everything when you started to wrestle and do judo, was that for club first or was it in high school or what was it, the timeline? It, it, it like? was, it was HH. Yeah, it was, it was, it was for, um, it was for high school is the HHSAA thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was the first, I, I did judo first. Then I did like some outside club judo for about a year until wrestling season started again. Then I did wrestling, and then when wrestling season ended, I did judo again, and then I did wrestling season again. Explain a little bit and touch on how was it in high school? How was was it something obviously you loved, but were you very successful in high school? Was it something that you no, immediately knew I, that I was like, going to do this longer? Um, honestly, I wasn't that good in high school. Like I was, I was, I was above average, but I wasn't like, I wasn't like smashing kids or anything. Like I was still getting thrown around by like anybody that placed that state would pretty much throw me around. Um, I didn't really get good until after high school. It was weird. Like, I'm not sure if it was like the pressure of like, Oh, I got to get this all figured out by senior year so you can win state and stuff. But like I didn't get good really until after high school. It was weird. Like when like the pressure was off and like, I kind of just like would go to the wrestling room and play around. That's like when I actually got good. That senior year, did you make it to OIAs or States or anything? I made it to States and I lost my seat. I-, I lost to a kid. I'd beaten four times that year. I beat him. <laughs> I beat him all four times. We wrestled that year, each time progressively worse by like progressively wider margins and the one time he beat me was at state. At states. Oh, and if man. I won states. that, yeah, if I won that, I would have placed. Like, like that was the bracket. It's like if you win this, then you automatically place. Oh god! So I was so devastated. I was oh, I cried like in front of everybody on like on the mat and stuff. I was like, ah. But it was rough. that probably taught you more than just winning states. I'm sure going through that process and it has definitely played out well in your career. Now we have to say because you're from Hawaii. 
So what high school did you wrestle for? Kapolei Hurricane. Kapolei High School. Yes. Hurricane and, wrestling, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to rough it a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. now you've been going through all of these experiences. And it's kind of interesting that you said that you weren't, you know, you were above average, but you weren't really like you weren't in yeah. the top tier. Yeah. In high yeah. school sports. And, you know, me knowing you and working with you. So in high school, because I mean, size does kind of play a factor, especially in high school. Like the difference that you are strength-wise between like a sophomore and a senior, I think is pretty drastic. Usually that's typically the case. So in high school, did you hit a growth spurt or were you kind of this size your whole time through high school? Um, how was that? I was, I was um, smaller than I am now. I never really did sports. I was a pretty lazy kid. So I was like really tall and skinny. I wasn't really athletic. The first time I actually like competed to wins, like like did like a sport competitively was judo in high school. That was like the first time. So that's like when I started to, I guess, build my athletic and like competitive base. When like I, I was roughly around a hundred, I was around five, nine. I was on the same height I am now, but I was like 120 to like 130 pounds, like my entire high school career. Do you think that you picked up the wrestling skills and everything later as your strength caught up. Do you think that was kind of one of the pieces that helped you? It, it Honestly, I don't feel like I didn't even develop strength yet until like I started doing strength and conditioning really like at, for MMA. Like it was, I mostly got by off cardio and technique. That's what I got by off of was cardio and technique. I wasn't the best, like, athletically i wasn't able to blast double people and pick them up and stuff i didn't really have a good neutral but i could like i got good i got kissed okay, so i just constantly got taken down by like the better kids so i couldn't really like hang with them neutral that's like the thing that they had like it takes a long time to get good at so i, I my coach spent a lot of time te- teaching me like bottom so i could reverse people get on top because that's the easiest place to score points mm-hmm. so it's like if you had a good bottom game you could at least keep it close you know Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I was taught to do is like, I would always get like, and I'd kind of grappled at the time. So I, I understood grappling like on the ground, but not necessarily on the feet. So they would have me like get to the ground, like almost like not necessarily give up takedowns, but like kind of have them shoot in on my legs and I would like fall on them and then try to reverse the position there. I'm glad that you said that. So let's talk about that a little bit more, like the technique. What do you think really helped you to sharpen the technique going through high school? It, it was kind of how like the coaches explained to me the formulas with learning things. Like, mm-hmm. so one of the te- things that like, for me, I was never really the strongest or the fastest. So I'm not going to get by on athleticism, running people over, being quicker than you. So I have to know the technique and I have to know more techniques than you essentially to, to win matches. So like one of the things that really helped me was like the judo concept of if I push this person, they're going to push me back as hard as they can. And then I'll use their, the counter momentum to throw them in judo. It's a lot, or sorry, in wrestling, there was a lot of that, that like mindset, that formula, like there was a lot of crossover. Um, like, so if you're in like a, a front headlock or you're tied up, you can push into them, they'll push back. You can head and arm them. You push into them, they'll push back. You can slide under and get a duck under, you know? Um, and like, so that kind of, that understanding of, oh, if, if I move left, they'll like, they'll push into me or, you know, I'll move right. They'll chase me. And so like that understanding of like kind of a cat and mouse type thing, like really, really helped. It sounds like you had a lot of great coaches and you took it upon yourself to study all of these different techniques, but as far as practicing, how, how did that play out? Did you put a lot of extra time compared to your peers and teammates, or was there someone that you always drilled with? Or what um, made you help kay. to practice? So in wrestling, I had this dude, um, Haley Barnes. All right. He'd wrestled, he'd, he wrestled like um, all four years. He'd done some wrestling as a kid. And so that was like my main training partner. And he would just beat me up. But like I got better just because he was just beating me up. That's kind of like a thing. In, in judo, it was this kid, Tyler Kono. He was like a multiple time, like, like placed at nationals and like junior Olympics every year since he was like six or something, you know, like he, he won like junior nationals a few times, like won worlds or sorry, might've, he's gone to junior worlds a few times. Like, so he, he's like a decorated, like international competitor. And so, um, like he would just beat the crap out of me. He was two years younger than me. He would just fuck me up. (laughs) 
<laughs> you just you just yanked me all over the place but like i learned from it you know and like on th- that same kind of history has kind of been repeated throughout my athletic career like with russell russell would just beat the fuck out of me dude like russell Doan in mma he would just beat me up and like that was how i would learn things that's a common theme in mma i mean from all what i hear from you guys it's just like you just constantly learn learn by you know getting put in all of these positions that you know you just have to experience and that kind of sharpens your technique so now going through you know high school and beyond when was the moment besides watching the ultimate fighter when was the moment that you were like okay i'm really gonna try to make this my career and become a professional mixed martial artist so like me and my friends we would grapple a lot i had this friend mike like so all my friends were way bigger than me i was like the same height i am now but like 110 pounds maybe when i was like 13 mm-hmm. and like so i would grapple all my friends and they're all like 160 170 and like i was they would beat me up but i kind of like i could give i would give them way more trouble than they had a way harder time with me than they should given the weight disparity they were like, bro, what is going on? Like, at first they could kind of beat me up, but as time went by, they started having a harder and harder and harder time. And I just kept getting better and better and working harder. And like, there was a point where like our friend Mike, he was like the leader of our little tribe of, of like of hooligans. But um, he, he was like, man, like Lewis is honestly the pound for pound best one out of all of us. And like, that was one of the times where I knew I was like, that, it, like it validated me like, one of like my older friends like telling me like you are like really really good and so like that validated me and so i was like okay i'm gonna keep trying at this and it just like it just seemed to work you know i knew like i was gonna be the best at wrestling or judo but it was mostly just i was just there to like i I gave it my all and i gave everything to the sport that i could for the time that i was there and then i like i knew like okay once once like my high school career is over i'm gonna move on to mma and try to make money doing this and it just like, it never really hit the wall where it was like, I ran up against somebody or like a martial art or like something that I couldn't figure out. Like I, all these things, like whether it was like com- competing or learning an art or like my training partners or like there was like a guy I couldn't beat or whatever, like I could eventually overcome it, you know? So like I never really hit that wall. So I just kept going. That determination and just grit and constantly improving your craft right that's yeah. i mean that's applicable not only in your professional career but just in life too yeah so now it really you, is yeah it it's really like, is it's, i always thought of it it's like a marathon you know like mm-hmm. like there might be things that'll slow you down but as long as you can like learn and adapt and like kind of like navigate your way through it it's not going to stop you you'll yes. get through it eventually yes so now when you graduated high school primarily your disciplines were more grappling based right yeah. judo uh i mean you had the karate you know the striking but then wrestling right so yeah. when did you really start to yeah. practice some of the other disciplines you know jujitsu or striking stand-up kickboxing all um, of those kind of things the striking i learned i never really learned like competitive striking until i went to uh 808 top team I went to ron jun his gym in waipahu that's where i first started learning striking his wife auntie kim taught the cardio kickboxing class they made me do that first just to be like because truthfully i had no concept of striking i didn't know anything about striking Mm -hmm. so they had me do the cardio kickboxing class like just to learn and like get like the reactions and the movements like okay how well do you know this you know so they had me do the cardio kickboxing i did well there and i told them i wanted to fight and so, like, I was fighting, and my, my discipline was primarily grappling, but, like, I knew that I needed to work on my striking and be well-rounded if I wanted to actually go anywhere with this. How old were you when you first went to that gym? I was 17 the first time I went. Again, you said, you know, you, you like to pick up these techniques, and you're really good at, you know, you pick it up quicker than some of your peers. So when was it, how long into it was it like, okay, I'm getting... I'm getting decent at this. I'm getting the hang of what I need to do to actually strike. I still don't even know if I really like, like I still don't feel like I've, mm-hmm. I've made it that far. Like I still feel like I have so much to learn. Like I try my best to pay attention and learn as much as I can. Like even today, like I'm still learning new tricks and I'm sure there's people that are out there that could make me look like an amateur, you know, like I have no idea what I'm doing. And so, like, if I also try to box, like, a real, like, an actual boxer that's being primed and, like, 
pedigreed to become a, a professional. Mm-hmm. Like you would pro- honestly beat the crap out of me probably like just cause they're going to have like a different sense of timing of like speed, different control of their punches, their head movement when stuff will be more refined. And like, I'm just not going to be able to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like I could, I, I I'm confident I could learn over time, but today, no, today I would get, I would get beat up. Mm-hmm. But obviously you put a lot of time and, you know, work into the striking department and that has, that has definitely improved throughout your entire career. So now yeah. when you started to do more of that, give me the timeline on, when jiu-jitsu came into the picture and when did you actually start fighting either amateur fights or your first professional bout? Okay. So when I was doing like, like at, at 808, we were just kind of grappling. Um, there wasn't really like a jujitsu program. I never really actually done jujitsu until um, like, until I went under Rylan Lazares. Um, he was the one that actually taught me jujitsu. Until then, I was just like imitating what I saw on TV for the most part. Like there wasn't really, it was, it was kind of just we would wrestle each other and then like try to choke each other, try to armbar each other. There wasn't really like a, an actual ingrained system of movements really. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, Rylan was the first one that showed me that. And then, but I didn't actually go under him for like a while. Um, I didn't start under him until I had almost made it to the UFC. Like I was already competing in like a feeder promotion at the time and stuff. I kind of just got by off of wrestling and judo and Russell beating me up until then. <laughs> my first, my first amateur fight, I think I was 18, almost 19. Okay. And my first pro fight, I believe I was 20. And the amateur fights yeah, were locally? Yeah, amateur fights were all local for like X1, Destiny, mm-hmm. uh, 808 Battleground were the shows. Oh, yeah, and I fought in uh, Just Scrap too. Oh, good. So let's talk about that a little yeah. bit because, I mean, I know it's been a long time ago, but what was it like to actually, even though it was an amateur fight, what was it like to actually fight, you know, in a different environment now? You know, people are watching what you're going to do and everything. Do you remember what it was like, those first couple fights? The first few, I was just like, I was like, this is it. You know, this is my dream. I'm going to get, I'm going to get signed today, baby. Dana's going to see these and it's going to go like, you know what I mean? Like somebody's going to show this. Like, I I, I was like, this is my, this is my time. This is what I've worked for, for like the past, like 13 years. Yeah. Like those first Ami fights, like I probably worked harder. Like I worked so hard for those dude. I was going to the gym every day. Like there was a point where I ran up Coco head twice and each, each run was like, I think the first run I made it up in like 12 minutes. And the second one was like 15. Like I was, I was working primarily getting by on my cardio, but I was working, man. Like I was, I was busting my ass. How, um, how did those fights play out? Do you remember? Uh, I won most of them. I, yeah. I only lost one split decision, but the rest I won. Um, I was coming out like kind of like a hammer, dude. Like I was, I was a nuts little kid, man. Yeah. Do you yeah, remember like, uh, how those fights played out? Like any of the obstacles, or yeah. was it was it hard, you know, to come out with the wins? Uh, I remember the first fight was really fast. I grabbed the like we came out, touch gloves. I threw a head kick. I remember thinking my way through it. I planned this out for like a long time. But I planned, like, my first few fights, I would throw head kicks at the guy. So, for one, he thinks I'm here to strike. And two, his hands come up so I can shoot in faster on the double leg. (laughs) So, I threw a head kick. He rushed in. I think he hit me once or twice, though. Like, he hit me a couple times because, like, my vision kind of flashed. And, like, I wasn't where it started. Like, it flashed and I was in a different place in the cage. (laughs) And then, like, so I I shot in, grabbed him, picked him up, slammed him, and tapped him out with an arm bar. Um, Nice. Yeah, my second one, dude, I just watched the video on X1's thing. They just reposted it. That was my first time watching it since that fight happened. And it it, it, I, it, didn't, it didn't happen how I remembered it. Like, I remember it differently. But um, I fought this dude from, uh, I think he was from Schofield, like a white military guy. So I threw a one, I remember starting this fight and it was for like a belt and stuff. And like I was in, I was surprised because I was like, oh man, my first fight. Yeah, I'm like Brock Lesnar. Woo! And then, <laughs> so yeah, I fought him for their amateur belt. I came out, I threw a one-two down the pipe. He slipped it, took me down. Then I armbarred him. And then um he got out of the armbar. He was on top for a little bit. I got back on top. I hit him a little bit. He got back on top. We're like rolling all over each other. 
but like i was like he came out real strong and working real hard and so like he was like kind of muscling me and like at, like but i was kind of sticking to techniques you know like if he got on top trap the arm mess with his base elevate him you know use my big muscles to to do most of the work instead of like trying to strain and like blowing out my arms or anything uh sticking to the techniques and then um so he just ended up getting overwhelmed after like the the first or the second round i was kind of just on top hitting him like he kind of stopped moving like at first he was real aggressive grab me pick me up slam me on top you know then at, like just as the fight wore on i just i had more gas than him and he just started to like drown my third fight i fought this dude kill palencia from hmc i lost a split decision or it might have been unanimous but to this day i don't think that i lost i, 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 I was on top the whole time the only thing that i i okay you could give him the submission attempts though, because he flying armbarred me like out the gate. It was pretty wild. He was he was something like twelve and zero undefeated or something. Somebody told me, I haven't actually seen that on paper, but that's what they were telling me. So he came out and just threw jab like jab like kick, and he was like a kickboxer. So in my head, I was thinking, yo, this guy's gonna have like some crazy long ass eight punch combination. I'm not gonna be able to deal with it. Because at the time, I didn't really know striking yet, right? Like, I didn't really understand it. Like, I was working hard. Mm-hmm. Like, they, and, and, like, at 808, they were showing me everything they could. Like, I was working with Charles already at the time a little bit. Like, he'd already showed me, like, a few things. They were working pretty hard on me. Like, and, but, like, in my head, I, it was my striking was still untested. It's, I still hadn't tested it in, like, a live scenario, in a competitive scenario with the other person trying to knock me out. So, I was still kind of scared. This mm-hmm. dude just comes out, throws jab, like, jab like kick, jab like kick, jab like kick and i'm like what the fuck and then we like we kind of like tie up and he comes and he flying arm bars me and like gets it like like gets it like oh. I'm, like like elbow down like on my face and i'm like super scared i'm like oh my god do i gotta tap and i'm thinking about tapping and then harris sarmiento goes hip over hip over like i look at him I'm like oh yeah duh i don't know why but i kind of froze there because it was just so i was like wow this is flying arm barred me <laughs> And like, and got it. And so, um, I, I pass it. Like, I get over, I hop over, and like, I pass the arm bar. And then it's just like on, dude. Like, so we're like, we get back up, and he goes back to the jab leg kick. And I'm like, he does that one more time. I'm shooting this right, right down the middle at his head because I know his face is gonna be there. Does it again? Throws the jab, and I just rip this right hand at his head, and I drop him like hard. <laughs> like I hurt him. In- Brown. like it wasn't like he got hit off balance and like controlled his fault no he went boom on the mat <laughs> and like i look at him and his eyes are kind of rolling and i was like yeah dan henderson and i jump in <laughs> or, like, like fall into this punch on the ground and it like it hits him but like it doesn't quite separate him from his senses right like i'm like i'm hitting him again but like it doesn't and he grabs me and he's like, he's got me held up and I'm like trying to get out of it and like posturing up, hitting him. And then like we get back up and it's just on, dude. Like there was one point where like I just have pieces of it, but like he had my face in like there's pictures of him kneeing my face into the cage. But like I'm coming back with like like fast boxing combinations. He's throwing the leg kick still sometimes like but like I made him pay for it once or twice. So you kind of stop. Then at one point he has my leg. He's got a single leg. He's trying to single leg me. I'm Uriah Faber jumping, kneeing him in the face. Like he he tried to shoot into me. He tried to shoot in a double leg, and I switched him and like I flew him into the cage. I remember him flying into the cage and like I did like a midair switch, and like so I end up on top. And like but the main like like it was it was like honestly I, it was probably one of the craziest amateur fights of all time. Like if anybody ever gets the video, but yeah, that thing definitely gotta look it up. Yeah, I tried to get it, but apparently Jay Bolos told me that his, his car got broken into and the video got stolen, so they don't know what happened to it. But Oh, no. Well, yeah. maybe somewhere it'll surface on the internet or something. But there's so many maybe. follow-up questions that I have to this. So, I mean, I like how you describe yeah. it because it seems like it's so recent, just yesterday. But the first thing yeah. is, so these three amateur fights, what weight class were you fighting? 125, 135? I was fighting 135. 135. 135. Would you say 135 yeah. is more your natural weight class? Yeah, at the time that was my natural weight. It was it was 135. Um, I actually the first fight was 125, Got and it. I like kind of had to cut. But the rest of it, I was like walking around at 35. Like I didn't do a cut at all. Like it was just <laughs> I didn't eat the day of the fight. 
I show up, I weigh 134. Cool, let's go zippies, get a zip pack. Like that was the routine. <laughs> got it, got it. You had the routine down to a science. Yeah. So now, when you think about that, especially that first fight that, you know, you really got tested, it sounded like, because you said yeah. you know, your striking wasn't tested in a live bout or anything. And you really yeah. got tested. Do you think that was a point in your career that you started realizing that even though the decision wasn't didn't go your way, did that really help you with future fights and how your career played out? honestly i don't know man like it was weird because it was like a loss but in my head i was like doing like these like mental gymnastics around it to be like no man i should have won that fight they were just against me like but like i think that being in a fight that crazy and that technical with like because honestly like what are the odds of finding somebody that knows how to do a flying arm bar in amateurs that shit that's rare and he also has kickboxing and was a state champion wrestler like where are you finding this kid at? You know what I mean? And then like, and then I was able to deal with it, like, which was even crazier. Like to say that he, like he, we could argue he won, I won, whatever, but it was a really good fight. Like, Mm -hmm. and just to, to be in like a battle like that, that early, it it really validated like my, my belief in myself. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm out here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really good at this. I'm not, I'm not a joke. I'm not a fluke. Like I'm out here definitely develop some of that confidence and other things that you described in that fight. So I want to ask you, cause now you're progressing through your career. Oh yeah. He Peruvian to me. He had me in a Peruvian necktie <laughs> at one point. Yeah. Most people don't even know what that is. This is an yeah. amateur did that. Yeah. That's crazy that you had that kind of competition or that kind of bout early in your career. And then some yeah. of the things that you were doing to him, right? I want to ask at that point in time, or even now, who are some of your biggest influences as far as other fighters that you grew up watching that kind of you were trying to incorporate into your game so like one of the big ones was fedor just because of his um because of his legacy and pride you know um and like you just you're like i was a smaller guy and i was watching him just dismantle these bigger dudes so like in my head i was like oh man that's so cool i want to be like this guy you know like i don't have to get bullied like technique you know (laughs) technique over power um but yeah i really watched him um i enjoyed watching like nick diaz um max was always super cool to watch when we would watch him fight x1 he always pulled out the craziest striking russell would always like i I always emulated russell's like like grappling when we would grapple i would try to like emulate it or at least find ways to deal with it and then like when i could i would emulate it Harris Harris showed me a lot of stuff too like uh Harris Sarmiento showed me a lot of stuff um who else I remember like I would watch BJ's fights watching BJ against like Sean Shirk and stuff that was super fun and then like basically everybody that was like just in the UFC at the time because that was the steadiest stream of information honestly Mm -hmm. that was like the pinnacle of the sport and it was a big stream of information so i would try to emulate it i remember watching too like i would watch like kickboxing or muay thai like i watched like ramon deckers like that was one of the first youtube videos like we were able to stumble across and like watch that so that's kind of like how i learned how to teep and how i learned like what muay thai even was like i didn't even know what muay thai was until that point and then like we went like stumbling through like the archives of like hawaii stuff i remember there was like dennis alexio there was like I didn't even know he was from Hawaii for like the longest time. And then they're like, yeah, he's from Hawaii. Like, why do you think he has like a hula skirt on and stuff? I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. but like we had to go like into the archives of mm-hmm. like his like, like, like let's like go through like all these YouTube videos and like, like reference it across like, um, like kickboxing records and like Wikipedia and stuff. Like it was like, like I had to do research to like learn <laughs> these things, you know? So that's one of my other questions is, Early on, and I guess even now, you know, people don't see the behind the scenes, but how much do you actually watch film and footage and pick up things, different things in different situations from just watching things? Constantly, man. That's one of the biggest things that like I learned was like, I like, like, I think that was like a big strength of mine was like, like I was able to like monkey see monkey do, you know, Um, that was probably honestly from karate, from having to practice the katas and the forms, you know? like you you build a certain body awareness i think dancers do this too and dancers could probably honestly like because they dancers tend to do well in combat sports you have like lomachenko adesanya striking striking disciplines they tend to do well 
And I think it's because they're so detailed and precise with what their body is doing. It builds like an awareness. Mm -hmm. And then, so when they see something, they know how to like emulate that same motion, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I was like learning these things at a young age, when I got older, even now I'm able to like see and like recognize and I'll try to emulate like even like, like TJ Dillashaw, when he pulled out the the switch dances or even Dominic Cruz, they were like the first guys to like really really switch dance in MMA. So I would watch it, learn it, try to emulate it. Then there's like, like Sane Chai, Buoka, um, Masato, Petrosian. Like all those guys are like the, the ones that are like, those are like the kickboxing, like gods of right now who I'm trying to emulate and who like, I'll go and I'll watch their, like I'll watch their highlights or I'll go follow them on Instagram for the fight highlights. And like, I'll see the drills they're doing and I'll try and like emulate it the next time I'm at practice or even like the, the, um, what was it? Like, like Anderson's like the spider kick, you know, we all were doing that the next day. Everybody was doing Mm -hmm. that the next day or like Pettis's showtime kickoff. They came, we all did that the (laughs) next day. You know what I mean? Like that's really good that you, you learn and you pick up things like that. And I'm, I 100% agree with you. Like that body awareness, body awareness has different degrees in various sports. And I think with the precision of, like you said, martial arts or dancing, it's so precise that you develop a higher level of body awareness as opposed to, and not saying that other sports don't, but as opposed to sports that don't need as much precision, um, I do see that too. And I mean, even for myself, you know, there's certain tasks or like certain movements that it's not so precise that I don't really have the body awareness, like someone that can do it for a long time and practice it for a long time. Now on that note, are you and Russell about the same age? I think I asked you guys this before. Russell is five years older than me. Five years older than you. Okay. I do remember that now. So Russell, when you were, you know, training with him and all of this stuff, what was that like? It's good to have someone that, you know, you're familiar with, but also can teach you a lot. Because you guys are two different athletes. It, yeah, it was it was great. I never really like honestly. I took it for granted at the time. I'm sorry, Russell. I never appreciated you like I should have. But <laughs> um, like it was great because he was older than me, and so he could kind of show me the way, but not to the point where he like aged out and like wasn't competitive. So like we would share the mats. We're sharing the 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 ring. You know, we're 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 like we're sparring with each other. We're grappling with each other. But at the same time, like it, it was good for me that he was a little bit older because I could draw confidence from the fact that even though I'm getting beat up, he'll age out before me and that I will have my time. Like I even told him, that too, I think like we're, it was the first time he took me, he took me to one of his fights. Uh, he fought uh, Rich Delos Reyes at like eight way battlegrounds at a little tower. And like, so like his girlfriend was like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Lewis, but you're not gonna, uh, you're not going to be champion when Russell is here. And I was like, well, if you need my viewpoint, he's actually five years older than me. So in theory, comes champion, holds the belt for whatever, however long he does. And then when he retires, in theory, I have like five more years to go, right? <laughs> That's still a pretty long time to be champion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she was kind of like, you know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. That's how I looked at it that he would age out before me and I would get my time. Well, I'm glad that you guys had a lot of great experiences because even when you guys were coming in to train and rehab and stuff, you could tell that, you know, it was a good, it was a good collaborative effort to make each other better. So now I want to fast forward a little bit. So after your amateur career, let's talk about how did you end up in the UFC? Do you remember what happened and when that happened? Yeah. So uh, it was in 2012, no, 13. I was like, I was fighting in uh, PXC in the Philippines. Um, this was when they were trying to build the Pacific Asian region. Um, that's when the UFC was trying to like go into that market. You know, they were having the UFCs in Japan, Korea, China. They're trying to like, that was when uh, they were trying to expand to those territories. So PXC was one of the bigger feeder promotions in that area. A lot of their guys either ended up going to one FC or the UFC. I don't think there was Risen at the time. And so they, I ended up winning their belt. And so like the next, the next month or two was like the craziest time of my life. Cause every day I was getting like two or three management companies like, Hey man, so like, what's going on? Are you going to get signed? Like, we would like to represent you over here at like 
raw talent and functional management systems and like things like that, you know, like just, uh, I had already had an, a relationship with my manager though. And he was Russell's manager. He was the one that got Russell into the UFC. We had won actually. I, I won my belt and Russell won a Tachi Palace belt. So that was one of the bigger um, California promotions, feeder promotions. Um, so Russell went and won their belt. And so they, they signed Russell and then I won my belt and they signed me. I can't remember the exact order that it happened, but I remember they signed Russell first and then they, they signed me and we fought like they had us fight like a week apart or might've been like 10 days apart or something like that. Cause I fought on a Wednesday, which was super random. Yeah. So he, uh, they, they signed us through um, through Iridium Sports, through Jason House. <laughs> Russell had already had a relationship with him. He had been Russell's manager for a while now. When we went up, we'd actually co- taken a trip up to California to try out for the Ultimate Fighter. They were having like a casting call in Vegas, but my manager was based out of California. So we had actually gone up, spent like a week or two with him out here in Orange County, and we'd stayed at like, Ian McCall's house. We stayed in his garage and he had like he had like mats and like a couch and like all this stuff set up for us. And um we were pretty comfortable. And then so we were training at uh Team Oyama where I train now. Mm-hmm. And um so we come out here before and so when I was getting signed, Jason was like, you know, you should come with me. You know, I thought I had dibs and da 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 da. We built a relationship and stuff, and I was like, Yeah, that's true. And Russell says to sign with you, so I'm going with you. Mm-hmm. But there was like there was almost a bidding war for me with um because one FC had put in an offer too, mm. but the UFC topped it, so I just went with them being a child and not thinking better. If I was smarter, I probably could have went back to one and been like, "Hey, well they're offering this, you know, do you want to top this offer?" Like if I'd been smarter, I probably could have done that, but I just I'd never like mm-hmm. it was like a weird situation that ended up with us leaving like eight oh eight and stuff. That's how I ended up leaving um Ron and Kim was was because of that like there there was like a rift that kind of grown and oh i remember what happened um this dude came down his name was adam benayun all right and so he was like a jets guy and so he was doing jets and he was helping us out he was he was beating up me and russell like uh, in grappling and i think charles had never seen that before and it worried him and so he's like dude if your guy's ground is falling behind that's gonna be bad when you guys go to the big show so he wanted us to go seek out Ryland because Ryland is the best Jits guy on the island. And so he wanted us to go seek out Ryland. So we'd gone to Ryland. But Ron and Kim didn't like that because they like to keep control, like, I guess, like over the fighters. They didn't want us like going over here, going over this. Like, no, you train under us. So it had caused like a political kind of like business thing. Got it. So now when you think about that, though, you eventually ended up in the UFC. You and Russell fought, right? So how old were you when you first signed in 2013? I was 22 years old. 22. Yeah. So man, time has flown by so much. It's been fun to watch your career and everything and see how you've grown. What were some of the times? So we probably worked with each other when I think back, I want to say like 2014 to 16, maybe, or 2015 to 16. I can't even remember. Yeah. It was something like that. Something like that. Yeah. It was like around that time. I think it was 2015 because I was. I think okay. I started working with you guys right before I um, right before I fought Neil Siri, and that was the first time the Reebok rem- deal went into effect. That was a Connor card. Yeah, that was 2015, I believe. Yeah, I do remember that. So now thinking about that, there's a couple of things I want to touch on before we wrap up. So, first thing, let's talk about your UFC career. What are some of the best memories or the best fights that you've had? um I, I they're they're all special honestly yeah. like they they all hold a special place in my heart and my memory uh-huh. um the debut was special because it was the debut you know russell was there mm-hmm. we got to like um hang out you know it was like everything we'd worked for for like the past like mm-hmm. i want to say like like four or five years you know for russell it'd been longer you know mm-hmm. um it'd been everything that we'd worked for like honestly since we'd known each other so that was pretty awesome. Um, I remember one point though, I was all salty because, okay, so we we're trying to find food and we're in the middle of Duluth, Georgia. All okay. right. So there's nothing around. Like there's nothing here. So we go to, um, we went to a, what's it called? Um, a waffle house. And uh, I asked them for a salad and they looked at me like, like what? 
So they give me like this iceberg and like red cabbage, like you know, like the the real yeah. like 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 the, the the bottom of the bottom salads, right? <laughs> and then Russell gets like this. I'll never forgive him for this, but he got like these hash browns that smelled like nachos. They had like chili, <laughs> jalapenos, yeah. cheese, sour cream, like all this stuff on it, like this crazy mountain. I just remember looking at it and looking at him like I was like. I will never forgive you for this. Like, I'm starving. Like, I'll never forgive you for this. Well, I'm eating my little iceberg lettuce and like my little strip of carrot. I was like, I'll never forgive you for this. Yeah. Yeah. Man, those must be some good memories. I mean, just preparing for the fights and, you know, getting to fight on the big stage and not only the audience, but everyone's watching. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's one of those things you appreciate so much more after it's done. Like, Cause you don't want to do it while you're doing it. Nobody wants to get into a cage and fight or train for like six hours a day, five days a week. Nobody wants to do that. You're spending like your entire life in the gym, you know? But then like, like I, I never wanted to do it as it was happening, but looking back, it's the best thing that I've ever, like, it's like the best times ever, you know? Since you mentioned that, let's talk about some of the obstacles. First thing I want to touch on is, you know, with fighting, Everyone says this, Yancey, Russell, everyone that I talk to says this, you're never going to be completely injury free. So you've withstood your fair share of injuries. So how do you, you don't have to go into any specifics, but what has that taught you and how do you overcome these injuries? So one of the things that I learned, like, is probably that the injuries that will hurt, it's like, one of the main things is, okay, you got to make sure you recover. You got to make sure you get your sleep. If you don't sleep, that's like, that's, that's a huge no-no. That's like the first big no-no. And um, like, you never, you never want to really give up sleep. Um, that's when your body recovers. That's when, you know, your, your muscles start to recover and stuff. I know that's hard in Hawaii. Cause like, that's one of the first things we're taught is to just give up sleep. Right. Like, oh yeah, you want to go out, you want to party, but you got to go to work on the sleep. Like, you want to go out, you want to go hang out with your friends, you know, like, like, that's the first thing you're kind of taught. Mm-hmm. But as an athlete, you really can't give up sleep. You got to like, I mean, you can break it up, I guess, if you want, but make sure you get your eight hours and a nap in the day or something. And the one of the things that I learned is like, once you get to a certain point, after you've been like, when you're confident mentally, there's no real reason to push yourself physically in the gym every day. It's like, like everybody says it's like 90% mental, 10% physical. Like you, but you need the physical, the physical is honestly probably the first 10% is that's what you need first. And then, so like, but once you get there, like if you've got like an injury to your knee, like you feel like your knee is tweaked or you feel like, I don't know, maybe your shoulder's loose today or whatever, whatever it is, like, just take it easy that day. You know, there's no reason to kill yourself today. If you're already in good shape, you know, you can already do the task, whatever your sport might be. There's no reason to kill yourself. You should take the time and heal. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. The only thing like I can think of is if it's like your sport day or like, you know, it's fight day and you got to go in there, go in there and deal with the consequences later. But, you know, yeah. if it's if it's off season, there's no reason to kill yourself. And definitely, it was always a pleasure working with you. And when you were back at home, I mean, honestly, what we did to help you rehab and function well was pretty basic it was probably the most boring things that you could do but i think you would agree that although it was really basic i mean you definitely had your share on the arp and everything it really did i think it helped you with everything else kind of like how you said how sleep is necessary some of these fundamental things to just take care of your body it's also necessary too but is there anything you want to share about that because i mean i would push you a lot and I'm sure there were many days that you were like, oh man, I definitely don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm going to throw something at me. But but well, what do you want to share about that? Um, hey, bro, I still do founders to this day, all right? <laughs> like, I don't do them every day, but yeah. like hard lifts, if I'm sore, if it's a recovery day and I'm like doing yoga, like on a Sunday or whatever, I still do those founders, like got to be at least three times a week. Yes. At least. What other ones? Oh, the um, the good mornings. I still do the good mornings fairly often as well. <laughs> um, the art, the biggest thing for like, okay, so I slouch. I don't know why I do this. I think it was because my mom told me walk with your chest out. I was a little shithead kid. So I was like, no. So I just did it like the opposite just to be contrary. <laughs> but like, so I would always slouch, right? And like, so with, with you guys, you guys preaching like proper posture, 
therapist to hold you there. It really taught me like, it gave me the body awareness to like really figure things out and realize, okay, this is why your shoulder is, feels like it's hanging in its socket is because it is, you know, mm-hmm. it's because it really is hanging there. Like you don't, you don't think it's such a drastic thing and it's, I wouldn't say it's drastic, but you start to realize like every day, this is repeating the amount of like, I guess stress is built up, I guess, or like compounded over time. And um, it really like, it taught me the importance of like, I want to say using energy or maybe doing something that's not necessarily the easiest route, but it will pay off more. Mm-hmm. Like for me, slouching is easy. I use no muscle here. It's I, I, I can maintain this indefinitely, right? Mm-hmm. Until things start to break. Mm-hmm. but if i like i learned to you know like, like you guys kind of taught me keep your posture keep you know the shoulder blades tucked back keep the chest out you know if i mean if i use that little bit more energy to maintain that proper posture like fundamentally it'll it, like it's paid off for me in the long run yes and i'm glad you said that because that's for everybody you know sometimes we don't realize all these little things add up and yeah it is like extra stress to our body and it does affect how we carry out whatever we're doing in sport in the long run a couple more questions before we before we leave but there's a lot of things i think throughout your career why i like to follow you not only because it's exciting but i also like to see you're always pushing forward and your recurrent theme is it's a marathon not a sprint right explain just briefly what have you learned through some of the obstacles because i was there i remember talking to you like soon after that first time that you got let go from the UFC, right? And then it was like, okay, you know, you got to win a couple fights outside of the organization and then you're going to get back in. And then when you told me that you were back in, you know, it's like, I felt excited for you, you know, but what do you learn from these experiences or even from losses? What have you learned and how has that made you better? So one of the things that I've learned is like, just because you lose something, it's not the end of the world for a lot of guys, like we kind of, for athletes in general, we define ourselves by like our passion or by our, um, by whatever sport we play, you know, that's who we are. That's what we do. Like, and then, so people don't realize it until it happens to them, but something happens, you know, and it ends your career. It like, it kind of messes with you. Cause it, it's just taking away like what you identify as it's taking away, like, like who you are, you know, in a essence, you know, like people don't really think about it, but you ask somebody, Oh yeah. Like, you know, you have a conversation with somebody, you introduce yourself. What do you do for me? I'm a fighter, you know, for other athletes, I play football, I play basketball, I volleyball, soccer, whatever it might be, but that's how you, how they define themselves. Mm-hmm. And if it, if that's taken away, it, it, it messes with you mentally. Like, I don't, if whether you right, realize it or not, it really does. It, it's like people get depressed from it, you know, some handle it better than others, you know, like some, like myself personally, um, I didn't handle it too well at first. I was pretty upset, but as you like get older, you learn, it's not the end of the world. You can still like apply the the lessons you've learned in other ways. You can apply it to like a desk job, you know, you go in to be like a CPA or something. You're going to learn, I don't know, maybe you got to crunch like a thousand numbers, you know, you learn to break it up and you do like two sessions morning and night or whatever, you know, give yourself a break in between whatever it is you just you, you learn to deal with things and like these s- like seemingly insurmountable odds are like not you learn to break it down into like manageable small pieces you don't like look at a task as a gigantic like mountain to overcome you're able to break it down into smaller increments and you're just you're able to tackle the problem without freaking out and that's good life lessons for anybody you know it doesn't matter what your profession is but i definitely can relate to you is that a lot of us professional athlete or not you know your passion and your job or whatever it is that's what you identify with and that's something that you know until it's taken away you sometimes need to revisit like okay how can i use this to benefit me or be a positive way in the future Now with your, so you are back in the UFC. I mean, congratulations on your last win. One question that I always wanted to ask you that I don't think I've ever asked you in person is how did you get the nickname, The Last Samurai? Oh, um, that was, that was Uncle Ron. That was because I was always getting beat up in my fights. Um, I had like, 
dude, they they put me out there against some hammers, man. And like I would like I'd like have like these boars. I'd get beat up back and forth, but like I'd always go out on my shield, kinda, mm-hmm. and I would win. Like it was like a it was like a it was like a samurai thing. Like I wouldn't like it was like a death before dishonor thing. Like I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna break. I'm not just gonna like fall over and let this dude take me out. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna keep fighting till I can't move anymore or you can't move anymore. We're gonna see who wins. Yeah. And that's how, like, and also I'm Asian and I love Tom Cruise movies, but yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that were pointing that that's the right nickname. Yeah. So, you know, I guess the last question that I have for you is that what is next for you? You know, you're still fighting obviously, but like, what do you want to within whatever you feel comfortable in sharing? What do you want to do? What are you looking forward to the next step in your career and anything that you want to share that, kind of helps other people that are up and coming to, to, you know, find some uh, motivation and inspiration from your story. To be honest, I don't know if I end up going into coaching. I don't know. I like doing it, but I feel like I probably lack the consistency in order to like, in order to do it. Cause it, like being a coach, it requires more time probably than being a fighter. Like you may not be as sweaty, but you're spending more time thinking about it than, than the fighters, like in truth, probably. Um, Cause they need to convey the knowledge. They don't need to just be able to do it. They need to be able to make you understand what they're saying and be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So they need to like build a communication and figure out how to most efficiently do that. And I don't like, I don't know if I can truthfully, it, it seems fairly like, it seems like the amount of work that would be able to, that would need to be put in. I'm not sure if I have the time for that. I've been kind of messing around with like finance stuff and like video games too. I kind of like finance stocks and stuff. Everybody's about like GME and stuff right now. I got myself a couple shares, you know, um, it's pretty fun. Like I like it, you know, like I talk with my friends and like everybody talks about what they're seeing, what they're looking at. It's fun. It's good. You definitely got to find some things to do on the side when you're not fighting, not training and all of this. So I'm glad on that. And then the last thing, since you mentioned the video games. So I think those are some of my, my uh, greatest memory of you when you would come in and you would be like, oh man, sorry. You know, it wouldn't happen often, but you would be like, oh, I'm running a little late because I was playing video games. And then I remember vividly that a lot of times you were like, oh man, I was playing with myself on UFC on the game (laughs) and then you're going like to the championship you know winning the belt and everything but explain a little bit about that because I think it it's part of your personality and it's something that makes you who you are you know explain the video game side of that bro it's the future of of cognitive recognition training bro that's how we're all athletes are gonna be we're gonna have to master it in the simulator before we're allowed to do it in real life do you still play UFC a lot yeah, I still play UFC. I like Fight Night a lot too. Now I'm actually getting kind of heavy into Fight Night, the boxing game from mm-hmm. like 2012 or whatever it was. But um, they made it backwards compatible on Xbox, so I've been playing that a lot. I've been playing a lot of um of boxing and just kind of like messing with like the the footwork, the angles. Like they did honestly, like they did a surprisingly good job with mm-hmm. Fight Night for how old it is. That game is pretty good. Like they should make a new one just cause, but like that game is pretty good. So how many times have you won the belt in UFC? Yeah, as yourself, dude. I, I yeah, I win that thing like every couple of days, like because <laughs> you only really need three or four fights, and then they crown you champion, and then you're only allowed to fight other champions. Yeah, but um, yeah, like I, I win that thing every couple of days. Like I'll I'll I'll, I'll just kind of revisit it, and I'll I'll beat people up as myself, and like. Oh, I changed my gamer tag to Lewis Smoka so that they know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> they know it's you. Oh, that's entertaining. Yeah. So I got to yeah. ask you, being you in real life and seeing what they did with you in the video game, how accurate is that? My stats need to be upped, bro. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with those stats. Yeah. I'm at least... I'm at least a, well, they made me a four star dual weight kickboxer in this game. So I'm like, bro, anybody can get their hands. But <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I, I want my stats upped a little bit, dude. Freaking Max's character is sick. And I want, I want that level of stats because his is a five star man. And it's like, his character is super fun. It's just like, 
if you pick Max and the other person doesn't pick a five star, you get like no points for beating them up. Like it does, it doesn't help your your rank, your overall like ranking points. Like it doesn't help. Like it's just like this fine medium, you know. Like like you want to use him, but it's just he's so overpowered that like it doesn't help my overall standing. So. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see. Well, maybe one day you'll collaborate with the company, and hopefully we see not only in the game, but we see all the great things that you're doing in the future to show yeah. what you can do in the ring. But I really like, you know, talking to you every time. I know that you're always working hard to improve yourself, both in and outside of the gym. So keep up all the great work. And I mean, I like to follow along because you're doing great things in California. Do you have any last words for up and coming fighters, the next generation? Honestly, for any athlete, be be willing to learn and try to like be open to learning and learn the technique before you try to muscle things. Like, don't be the don't be the guy that's just gonna try to get by on your on your power and your athleticism, because at some point you will run up against somebody who's bigger and more athletic than you, or has the specific skill set that just just that just takes apart all of yours mm-hmm. that just has, they have the perfect counter for you. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to need to know how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. When that time comes, learn the technique first and be open to learning the technique first. Yes. That's great advice for any athlete, any sport. And I, I mean, it was, it was great catching up with you. So good to talk to you and, you know, we wish you everything going forward the best. I'm excited to see you fight again in the octagon and we'll be watching your next fight with all the other Hawaii community supporting all of the Hawaii athletes. But thank you again so much, Lewis, for joining us. All right, Andrew.